the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, good afternoon and welcome. Good to have you on board. What are we calling this today, Miles? Is this officially Slurpee Day since today is 7-Eleven? <laughs> well, whatever we're calling it, we're going to call it Lifeline for a Tuesday and welcome you into the program. Always a delight and a privilege to spend some time with you, and we're going to do that today as we address issues that let me sort of uh, um, set up with the preface that everybody within the sound of my voice can be potentially in a negative fashion impacted by the topic we're going to discuss out the gate today. And I say everyone because you don't have to be a homeowner to be impacted. In fact, those that rent will be impacted as well because just about everybody is in a position to potentially be on the unfortunate pain end of what is yet another attempt at a tax increase here in the state of California. Now, by way of background, our federal government is already $33 trillion in debt with no end in sight. And don't let them fool you. Whichever side is in power will be on the receiving end of criticism criticism from the side that isn't about how they're borrowing too much, spending too much. They don't know how to control a budget. Guess what? Neither side, it has been demonstrated, knows how to control spending. And so the usual answer for most politicians, be it in Washington, D.C., Sacramento, or even in your own local municipality, is to try and raise taxes or come up with creative ways in which they can increase the tax base. I, for example, I just learned here today, a special note for those of you that are residents of Union City, that uh, the city council tonight is going to be exploring the possibility of granting a a conditional use permit to a marijuana dispensary put smack dab in the middle of a residential neighborhood houses on either side a retirement community for the elderly directly across the street and within 700 feet of a public high school they think this is a good idea because the amount of tax revenue that comes in from marijuana sales is astonishing and so somebody clearly on the Union City City Council is getting a bit greedy, thinking about all the great pet projects that they can fund by allowing a marijuana, let's put it what it is, pot sales store to go into a residential neighborhood. By the way, if you're in Union City, that will impact you. City Council meeting tonight at 7 o'clock. Be there and voice your opinion. But let me also say that there are other ways in which our government leaders are trying to come up with creative ways to increase your taxes. Witness, for example, 
Assembly Constitutional Amendment Number 1 that does a mild attack on Proposition 13, and it's a lot of the same sort of sleight of hand as we saw with the passage recently of Proposition 19, and I'll have my guest kind of explain all of this to you in a moment, but it essentially it comes down to, once again, the notion that they want to make it significantly easier to increase taxes by reducing the hurdles necessary for them to pass a tax increase in the first place and be mindful that propositions like Prop 13 were put into place because members of the California state legislature and local municipalities could not control their tax and spend habits. Well, now they're going to come up with a way, they think, to try and reverse all that. Let's get more details now. Susan Shelley joins me, president of communications on behalf of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Susan, always good to have you with us. And it just uh, is my summation correct in the sense that it's almost as if they will try anything and everything from the the real, in my opinion, bait and switch, duplicitous nature of Proposition 19 to now what they're proposing in Assembly Council. Constitutional Amendment number one that's going to, under the guise of helping to raise money for infrastructure, and who can be against that, right? Uh, allowing them to essentially lower the bar of requirements for the necessary vote to increase taxes, and at the end of the day, just simply continue to get away with tax and spend with no accountability. You are so right, Craig. You nailed it exactly. What they're doing is they're trying to tell you that this is not a tax increase. But it is a tax increase, and worse, it's an engine for tax increases to be on every ballot, every time you vote, forever. What this does is it empowers even more agencies to put taxes on the ballot, and it essentially says that instead of a two-thirds vote required by Prop 13, we're going to change the Constitution and make it 55%. And it covers virtually anything. It covers anything that you can call infrastructure, plus it covers all the public housing projects that they want to do. So you could have on every ballot, you put a vote and there will be a new one every time for a particular housing project that they want to do, or they'll say it's for a park, or they'll say it's for a library, or they'll say it's for whatever. Right now they can do all of that, but it takes a two-thirds vote because they're raising your taxes, and it takes a two-thirds vote to do that. This will make it 55%. So it's a direct attack on Prop 13, and it will make it so much easier for these tax-and-spend people to put tax increases on every ballot and have them squeak through. And, you know, we kind of learned that with the passage of Proposition 19, as I suggested, one of the most duplicitous bait-and-switch propositions I've seen in years. And, you know... I invite listeners to go and peruse any real estate-oriented website, including the California Board of Realtors, and see if they don't sell this on the basis of this will allow senior citizens to keep their tax basis and help protect their financial future. And they'll talk uh, with great glowing terms about uh, the so-called tax rate portability and and uh, all of its its myriad of benefits and not whisper a word about the fact that with one hand they giveth and the other hand they taketh away by instituting a draconian inheritance tax where heretofore a parent could pass on their residence to a child upon their death and that son or daughter could maintain the existing 
Proposition 13 tax rate no more. Now, it can only occur when it relates to singularly the principal residence, and you have one year to make that home your residence if you want to maintain mom or dad's old tax rate, which essentially means a boon in real estate bids or or sales for uh, California realtors because more and more Californians are going to look at that and say, there's no way I can afford that kind of tax basis. Mom and dad had an ongoing mortgage that I'm now paying, plus I'm going to see the tax rate go from whatever the protection was to current market value if I don't move in and call it as my own personal residence within one year. Many people are just going to simply opt to sell the property, which means a benefit for California realtors and a huge tax increase for California families. You're so right. It was the most deceptive measure I've ever seen on a California ballot. No one told the voters that this was the biggest property tax increase in the history of California. The biggest property tax increase in the history of California, and they just didn't say that. They talked all about wildfire victims and seniors moving to a new home. That's fine. It it did that, and that's great. But the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association is going to do something about this death tax that affects people when a parent passes away and all of a sudden all the property that they pass to their kids is reassessed to current market value. And the new tax bill is 1% of that current market value every year as a condition of keeping it. We're doing something about that. And your listeners can go to repealthedeathtax.com, sign up to volunteer, and we're going to have the petitions ready to sign sometime around August 23rd, I think is the estimate. And as soon as they're ready, we're going to start getting signatures to put this back the way it was. Not the other part of Prop 19 for seniors and wildfire victims. That all stays. That's fine. Just this one part of it that raised taxes on inherited property. That was just so sneaky. And it's so destructive. And not just to people inheriting a home, but also for small apartment buildings. Because if you have a mom-and-pop landlord that have had this building in the family for a long time, the property tax bill is relatively low because of Prop 13. Now there's no exclusion at all for moving in because it's not their principal residence. It's income property. So now when it's inherited, reassessed to market value. Well, what happens to the tenants? Nothing good, I can tell you that. Well, exactly right, because any time that this is going to be triggered, and that's why I mentioned at the preface, don't think because you don't own real estate, this doesn't impact you. Because believe me, any landlord is going to be necessarily forced into increasing the rent simply because they're going to see a significant increase in property taxes. And and it's, it's tragic, Susan, because so often... Often we hear the opinion that, well, the fair, the, the rich don't pay their fair share of taxes, tax the rich, but protect the little guy. And yet this is a classic example of the way the little guy doesn't get any protection whatsoever. There are so many families for whom uh, a, a small amount, a minuscule amount of inherited wealth that will allow then future generations to protect their own financial life uh, by means of being able to provide resources to send children to a college or university, things of this sort. Well, that just, that rips the whole foundation out from underneath you. If suddenly you think, well, I've inherited mom and dad's home and and now we can keep that in the family. Well, guess what? When your property taxes go from a couple of three grand a year to 10 or 15 or $20,000 a year, dependent upon, um, you know, the, 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 the tax basis when mom and dad were still alive to what 
what it reassesses to upon inheritance could literally be the difference between being able to keep the property in the family or being forced to sell it. Doesn't matter if you have plans to move there someday. Doesn't matter if you have plans to pass it on to your own kids to to protect their financial future. You'd be forced to because, let's face it, who can afford a tax jump going from a couple of grand a year to fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a year? And if you're unfortunate enough to own that home in a rent-controlled area, then even your capacity to go in and try to increase your rent base in order to cover the added expense would likely not be available to you. That's exactly right, and the new owner won't be able to cover that either, so what's going to happen? The building will end up being demolished. The units will be what they call withdrawn from the market, which is a sweet way of saying everybody gets evicted, and it's the wrecking ball, and something else goes up there. So we could lose a lot of affordable housing in California in one generation, and and there's no need for it. You know, this tax increase was not needed. This was strictly a deal that they made in Sacramento. The politicians wanted to get rid of the parent-child transfer exclusion, and they told the realtors, well, we'll go along with your senior transfer of portability of the tax bill, but you have to do this, too. And so they did, and they spent about 50 or $60 million on TV advertising fooling people, and it just barely passed. And it's, as I said, one of the most deceptive things I've ever seen. It. We have to get rid of this. We have to do something about this. Repeal the death tax.com, and we're going to fix this. And as you've joined us, uh, perhaps a bit late, Susan Shelley's with us, President of Communications on behalf of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Um, we are talking about a proposal right now uh, called simply Assembly Constitutional Amendment Number 1, which is a proposed constitutional amendment that would make it easier to raise local taxes on you for anything that they desire by simply labeling it as infrastructure. And, you know, it, we usually think, I think, historically, of infrastructures, big projects, roadways and pipelines and things of this sort. But there's nothing to prevent them from calling, uh, you know, uh, adding plants along a city sidewalk part of the infrastructure and anything else that they'd like to cover under the catch-all phrase infrastructure and essentially then be anything that government wants to do. And by lowering the bar, they make it significantly easier to increase the taxes. And as we learned in the passage of Proposition 19, where if you'd ask me the day before the election, I would have thought there's not a single Californian that will look at this and think this is a good idea by imposing this draconian death tax on every single California family, whether you're the wealthiest or the poorest. If you own property, this affects you. Much to my chagrin and surprise, it passed. And I think it passed because people saw the top line language. They didn't read the bottom line language. And we've discussed on this program down through the decades, you know, with the big print giveth, the little print taketh away. And that's exactly what this is aimed to do, to take money away from your wallet, your family, your financial future. We're talking today with Susan Shelley with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. We're going to dig down a deep bit deeper into the weeds of California Constitutional Amendment number one and uh, get her sense of just how broad the definition of infrastructure could be and what they're really trying to accomplish with this measure. I'm Craig Roberts. It's the Tuesday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, as I mentioned at the onset of the program tonight, more and more cities are trying to get creative when it comes to 
increasing the tax base. And, you know, when when there's a necessity to deal with real infrastructure, um, to improve roads, to improve schools, it, it, it's, it's not a bad thing. But when you're doing it, make sure that you're not engaging in tax increases that are draconian or are onerous on the very people that you claim you're trying to help. I mentioned Union City is a classic example that they're now trying to give a license to their third pot dispensary in a town that's got less than 60,000 people in it. You know what the attraction is? Even as they're proposing to put this latest one in a residential neighborhood surrounded by homes, a senior citizen's retirement center, and even a school, simply because they think it's going to bring them a lot of money to the Union City tax base. And shame on the city of Union City. And shame on the California state legislature that's trying to slip another um, tax increase passed us in the form of Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1 that would essentially reduce the bar. Right now, it's a two-thirds supermajority in order to pass a tax increase through a ballot measure. They recognize that that makes it a little bit more difficult. It means you have to really gain significant amount of community support in order to raise taxes. So what do you do? You don't convince people about the value of the project that you're trying to raise a bond measure on or whatever the case might be. Just lower the bar. Counting on the fact that people are busy, won't read all the way through the proposition. You'll get a chance to get a little bit of creative uh, writing exercise in, as the uh, real estate agents did in supporting Proposition 19 a couple of three years ago. And before you know it, you've got a nice influx of additional cash. Susan Shelley is with us today, president of communications for the Harvard Jar- Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Walk us through, if you would, uh, I kind of alluded to lowering the bar here, but but on 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 face value, what exactly does ACA number one in terms of the impact on passing tax increases? What does it really do? Well, the types of taxes that it could result in increasing are sales taxes, which affect everybody, parcel taxes, which are an extra property tax on top of what you're already paying, and bond debt. And bond debt, of course, is also on the property tax bills where you look below the line, you have your property tax based on your value, and then you have all of these other charges at the bottom, and there's typically called something like voter-approved indebtedness. And it's quite the list that you're already paying. And then here will come even more of it. And this can be for all different kinds of things. It can be, they'll, they'll all sound good individually, but election after election, as these things add up, people are gonna start losing their houses because they aren't going to be able to pay these higher bills, and there's no end to it. And one of the things they've added to ACA1 this year, this is not the first time they've tried to pass this, it's at least the third, I believe. Uh, One of the things they've added this year is two new types of entities that will be allowed to put these tax increases on the ballot, regional transit commissions and associations of governments. So that's in addition to cities, counties, and all the special districts and the school districts that can already put things on the ballot. This will come from regional transit commissions. Well, guess what that is? That's the so-called transit fiscal cliff problem because people have stopped riding, particularly BART and Metro in the Los Angeles area. And as a result, there's no ridership revenue. And the reason that there's no ridership is 
very complex, but it won't be fixed with a tax increase. But that's what they want to do. They well, want to be able to raise taxes to bail out these failing systems. Well, and I will tell you right now that BART is already screaming about the demand for an increase in in uh, revenue beyond what they gain from uh, riders and, and the current tax base. And they, anybody who's ever ridden BART in uh, the last two, three years would tell you exactly the reason why ridership is down, because the things aren't on time, then they're always out of service. And then beyond the fact that they're filthy, they're also becoming extremely dangerous because, you know, the kind of uh, misbehavior that's allowed and there just aren't enough BART police to go around. So no wonder that ridership is down. People just say, I I don't want to go to work in that kind of environment or take that kind of risk. And so, you know, then they say, well, in order to keep operating, we need more money from somewhere. So let's go and and, uh, empty the pockets of everybody else. Even even if you don't personally participate or benefit from public transportation, they still want to take it out of your pocket. I don't mind paying my fair share, but there are limits. Well, there won't be if ACA1 passes because they'll be able to put new transit taxes on all the time. The, the various transit agencies will be able to put taxes on the ballot. And then these regional transit commissions and associations of governments, which are trying to meet these impossible climate goals that the, the legislature has set, who knows what they're going to say? We, we have to have money to subsidize electric cars could be one of the infrastructure definitions. And they could put a tax on the ballot and say, well, we have to have this for clean air, don't we? But actually, no. Electric cars are not necessarily the best solution to the problem, and subsidizing them is very expensive, and subsidizing them on the backs of people who can't afford them is even worse. But that's the sort of thing that could could potentially happen if a regional transit commission or an association of governments is given the power to put tax increases on the ballot. Even, even to your point regarding, you know, so-called clean air electric vehicles, the dirty little secret that Elon Musk hopes nobody ever finds out, but I'm about to tell you, uh, right now on average, uh, when you see only a handful of nuclear power plants across the entire country, and I mean, there's there's like less than three, I believe, that are left still up and, and functioning. Ours here in California, San Onofre, has been offline for, for uh, probably the better part of four or five years now, maybe longer. Uh, as you know, we have issues with hydro, particularly in the West, because we just don't have enough rainfall. And so guess how all of your power is being generated? Two ways, coal and natural gas, both of which are pollutants. And um, research recently by a university has demonstrated that, guess what, the cost to the environment to recharge the average electric car is not much different than the cost of putting 15 gallons of gasoline in your tank. In other words, we think and we feel good about, well, it's electricity. It's clean. No, it's not. The production of electricity is anything but clean, but they don't want you to realize that. Susan Shelley with us today. And uh, Susan, after the break, I I want people to also, uh, and you can spend some time kind of digging deeper into this, understand that don't think because you're not a property owner that this measure is not going to impact you. We'll get to that part of the discussion as our visit today with Susan Shelley, President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, continues. By the way, I want to remind you that it is important that you reach out to your representative and let them know that you're against ACA 
number one. If you don't know who your local member of the California State Assembly or Senate is, you can find it online. Go to findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. Now, that sounds like a lot, but it's easier uh, if you just think it out. Findyourrep.legislature.ca for California.ca.gov. We'll share that again coming up in a moment. Time out. Back with more. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, we're talking about the latest attempt by the California State Legislature at a money grab. In this case, um, Assembly Constitutional Amendment Number 1. That would lower the bar, lower the standard for passing tax increases. And this runs the gambit of everything, as we're learning today from Susan Shelley. Uh, it, it really, the, the sort of catch-all infrastructure could essentially mean anything. And it's interesting, uh, Shelley, I had a friend of mine, uh, Susan, who uh, moved to California. And prior to the move, we were having some discussions by phone in terms of, well, what's your tax base like and all that sort of uh, conversation. And, well, uh, Welcome to California, shock and awe, uh, when they suddenly realized, oh, it's not just the 2% increase per year, but then there's bond measures for street lighting, for parks, for mosquito uh, mitigation, whatever they'd like to do. If they get a bond measure passed, they tack it onto your bill. So if you think it's just 2% of the purchase price, you're in for a big surprise. And I guess if this thing passes, uh, a lot of Californians are going to be in for surprises it's going to get worse after every election i mean it will be it will be a building for this organization a building for that agency and it will be overpriced new buildings because once they have the bond money approved they have to spend it right so they're not going to look to save money for sure so everything is going to be just a rocket engine of tax increases one election after the other it will never stop instead of doing this by measure by measure for instance i think back in 2013 there were about seven at the same time and that was a terrible thing too but they each one would have lowered the bar to 55 percent one was libraries one was uh transit one was any general purpose i think there was one that was for any general purpose but this is any general purpose just in general they're just calling it all infrastructure and here's one more little gimmick if this gets on the ballot then all the tax increases that fall under it that are on the ballot at the same time will be declared passed if they get 55%. So even though under the old rules they would need two-thirds, if this is on the ballot at the same time, it'll all drop to 55%. Wow. It's going to get hammered. (laughs) They'll just stick everything on there and we'll just get hammered. And help people listening understand we've talked a lot about this in the context of property taxes so undoubtedly there are many listening saying boy i dodged that bullet i don't own property i rent is there going to be any such thing as being able to escape the impact of assembly constitutional amendment number one if it passes well, no, because it could affect sales taxes, so you'll be hit directly by that. And then anytime you go to a store and you're buying something, costs that that, that retailer has are passed on in prices. So everything in California, the cost of living will go up just generally because every business that's paying property taxes and every apartment owner who's paying property taxes will be passing on those costs to the customer. There's no other way to do it. 
So it will affect everybody, and, and it will just in, continuously increase the cost of building homes and the cost of building apartments and the cost of living for everybody in California. We have high taxes in this state, and they have a lot of revenue. And the problem is not that they don't have enough revenue. The problem is that they won't stop the spending increases. And they're just making up new things to spend money on all the time and billing it to you. And this this just ha- we We have taxpayer protections in the Constitution to protect us from exactly this kind of recklessness. So what do they want to do? They want to change the Constitution to take that away. And we have to fight it. Now, the place to fight this, as you said before the break, is in the legislature because it needs a two-thirds vote in each house of the legislature to get on the ballot. But once it's on the ballot, it can squeak through with a simple majority. So the place to stop it is right now. Call your representatives. Go to findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. Look them up. Give them a call at the Sacramento office. By the way, there will be a hearing on this. ACA1 will have its first hearing in the Assembly Local Government Committee Wednesday. So you can call those people and you can say, vote no. But mostly just call your own representatives and tell them that you think this is an attack on Prop 13, which it is, and it will raise your taxes, which it will, and you, you want to hold them responsible for these tax increases if they vote for this. Yeah, I, whenever I have any sort of engagement with members of the, the elected class, I always remind them, you know, I will urge them to vote in one direction or another. In the case of, of ACA 1, to vote against it. And then I remind them I will be watching their vote and will use that as a guide when it comes to the next election. So they get the the sense that their feet are going to be held to the fire, and if they hope to be reelected in their seat, whatever position they might hold, um, that the the electorate, the voters, the taxpayers, the citizens of this state are going to hold them accountable. Absolutely. And the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association does a legislative scorecard, like a report card, every year. And this will rank very high in the calculations. Anybody who votes for this should not kid themselves into thinking, oh, this isn't a tax increase. This just lets the voters decide. No, this lowers the requirement in Prop 13. It changes Prop 13 to make it easier to raise taxes, and it has to be stopped. And again, I want listeners to understand, you know, some people say, well, you know, even if it's a simple, you know, majority plus one, Californians are smart. We'll see through this. We'll vote to our own best interest. After all, who knows how to govern ourselves better than ourselves? But here's where the gotcha is. And I referred to this earlier on in the fashion in which Proposition 19 was crafted several years ago that you would have thought at face value, boom, protecting our senior citizens and their ability to enjoy a, a tax rate portability as they move to a smaller home or a larger home and not being penalized by uh, having their uh, their property taxes go up to the new appraised value because after all, anybody that ho- bought a home in this state, even as recent as 20 years ago, 15 years ago, is probably seen a quadrupling of the value of that property. So it's a significant uptick. So that, well, let's, let's make sure we don't penalize our poor seniors. I agree 100%. But it was the quiet part that they didn't tell you, that it was also going to institute a draconian death tax that would prohibit 
passing of property from a grandparent to a grandchild or from a parent to a son or daughter and maintain the existing tax base without it being just the principal residence, so uh, investment property is not included, and the child who inherits said property, the grandchild who inherits the property from a grandparent, has to make it their principal residence within one year, or guess what? It gets reevaluated to current market value, and the property taxes go from 2000 to 8000 Oh, well, write the check. This is what makes these sort of measures extremely dangerous. I'm going to ask Susan Shelley to stay on with us for one more segment because I want to dig a little bit deeper into also the effort to try and reverse at least a part of the the, the most dangerous part of Proposition 19. If you just joined us, we are talking about an attack on taxpayers and families of California in the form of Assembly Constitutional Amendment Number 1 that would lower the bar to pass tax increases, making it easier and broadening the subject matter by which tax increases might be included that will directly impact every single Californian. You say, Craig, I don't own property, not my problem. Do you rent a house? If you rent a house, your landlord will be forced to pass the additional expenses on to you. So you had better believe, as you live in that apartment, that you're going to be impacted by this. Because Landlords will have no choice. It's business. They will pass the additional expense on to you. So every single Californian is potentially at the losing side of this proposition. The only ones that won't lose are going to be the fat cat politicians in Sacramento who just love to tax and spend. Get online, get more information, find out who your local rep is, and then urge that individual to vote against ACA1. Details at findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. That's findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. Back with more in our conversation with Susan Shelley, President of Communications with the Harvard Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. I keep trying to move her to Howard. <laughs> Harvard. That'll be Yale next time. That's Lifeline Continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Susan Shelley with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association with us this evening. By the way, information about this phenomenal organization that, for my goodness, better part of, I guess, 30 years now has been protecting Californians from onerous, out-of-control taxation great group to get involved with and support information on the web at hjta think howard jarvis taxpayers association hjta.org susan shelley president of communications with the howard jarvis taxpayers association with us tonight we're talking about assembly constitutional amendment number one urging you to urge your member of the california state legislature to vote against it you can determine who your local rep is by going to find your rep.legislature.ca.gov that's findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov and urge he or she to vote against ACA number one. We also mentioned Shelley earlier on in our conversation tonight about Proposition 19 and this sort of bait and switch and you you touched briefly on um, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association's efforts to reverse the more draconian aspects of Prop 19 Kind of walk us through that again and how folks listening right now can help. 
Well, we have already filed an initiative to get this measure on the ballot by collecting signatures. And so now we're in that period of time where we have to wait for the Attorney General to give us a title and summary to put at the top of the petitions. And the Legislative Analyst Office will do a fiscal analysis. And once we have all of that, which is due around 21st of August, we will print up these petitions. And here's what we're doing this time. We are going to make this a one page and a half by 11 on one side of one page petition. You will be able to download it from our website and print a legally valid paper petition in your house or your office. And you'll be able to fill it out, sign it, fill out that little declaration of circulator at the bottom that says you're really the person you say you are. And then you put it in an envelope and you mail it to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And you will be able to do this instantly. So no waiting for commercial printing. No looking for someone outside of Costco with a clipboard. You'll be able to do this in your house. We will, we will probably be able to collect these signatures so quickly. I'm really hoping that this just sweeps the state as people find out about this important issue and then download the petition, sign it, and send it to us. And your anticipation of when that petition will be uh, available? Probably August 23rd. Okay. That's an estimate. So we're going to kind of... We have until February to... Uh, to get, we need 875,000 signatures. Of course, we'll try to collect much more than that to be sure we have it, but uh, that's the goal. Okay, so we're going to get a little bit of a, a respite here during the summer months, but as we get in down toward the end of summer and heading into September, uh, that'll be the time to pull the trigger. And as we're all getting back from vacation, good time to kind of dive back in and um, help out with gathering signatures. And boy, you can, I, I love the fact that you've kind of streamlined the process, the, 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 pro, the process here. Susan, so that folks can go online, download it, print it at home, um, pass it around in the office, take it to church, take it to the club, wherever they might uh, socialize with friends and family, gather additional signatures, drop it in an envelope and send it back. So you've really made it easy. That's what we're trying to do. We want to make this very easy, and we want to get this on the November 2024 ballot. We can't get it on any earlier than that, but the November 2024 ballot. And then it will be retroactive. So anyone who was reassessed for a parent-child transfer in the interim between the time that Prop 19 took effect and the time that our initiative takes effect will be able to file a claim and get their old assessment back again. So we can't do anything about a refund of the tax taxes that you paid in the interim because that's just not possible but we can get you your old assessment back again so you will not be paying those market rate property taxes at the 2022 or 2023 level for all eternity you will get those prop 13 protected tax assessments back again you know i'm glad to hear you say that and for those that have inherited property from mom and dad and been paying a terrible price, uh, I know it's going to be a great encouragement and, and great uh, relief knowing that they may get a chance to, uh, to get those additional dollars that they were forced to surrender back again. I think the sad thing, though, is for Californians that inherited property and looked at the new tax basis and said, I, I, I can't do this. This this is just a field too far. You're, you're asking me to spend as much in, in taxes as what I would gather from, say, the the the, uh, the money I could make renting it. So it just makes more sense to sell the property, and now it's outside of the family. Sadly, for those folks, uh, they're not going to benefit from this. 
It's really a heartbreak that people have had to sell property in the interim. It really upsets me, and it's particularly upsetting because there are so many communities, especially communities of color, where they're not... They haven't been property owners for a hundred generations, maybe three or four generations, maybe two generations, maybe one generation. Maybe they're immigrants and they've come in and they've bought a small business and that property would be reassessed to market value when the kids inherit it. And that's just heartbreaking because we're not talking here about generational wealth at the Rockefeller level. We're talking about ordinary people who bought a house, maybe a rental property, maybe a duplex, and they're getting just crushed by this tax increase when a parent passes away. And it's so cruel because you literally get the letter from the assessor in the mail with the sympathy cards. They they have to tell you right away because you have one year. If it's a residence and you're going to move into it, you have one year to do that. And otherwise, it's reassessed to market value. And you have to fill out forms. And it's a whole big deal that we didn't used to have to do. We want to put the old rules back and protect generational wealth for California families. Well, and what's particularly tragic and cruel about it, and I think you use the word cruel, and it's very apropos, Susan, the, the sense that there may be families that have counted on this, that have said, look, mom and dad, boy, they sacrificed, they scraped, they worked long hours, they did everything that they could in order to put a roof over our heads as kids, and for years, the children have looked to that property someday as sort of the security for their own financial future and counting on that inheritance uh, to help them get through their retirement years. And maybe they even had the benefit of mom and dad being able to pay off the mortgage. I think hardly anybody does that these days. But uh, be it as it may, the fact that people were looking at the benefit of of the generational pass on of monies that could help provide comfort to future generations, just being having the carpet pulled out from underneath them is is absolutely debased and cruel it really is it's terrible and even though people might say oh well you sell the property and you have the cash that's true but the cash loses value to inflation and the property appreciates but somebody else owns it. Well, there's another dynamic, too, though. Let me interrupt, because there's another dynamic that I think oftentimes gets overlooked that shouldn't be, and that is that there are still those of us, myself included, that look at the family home and think, wow, I was raised in that house. My parents were raised in that house. I would love to raise my grandkids in that house, or I would love to at least see my kids benefit from grandpa and grandma's home someday. And there's oftentimes a lot of memories that are tied up in that piece of real estate. I know when my grandmother passed, this is many, many years ago, uh, the notion of selling her home, absolutely not. I'm going to keep that in the family. I want to pass that along. There's just that home just holds too many memories. And and to be essentially have a gun put to your head and say, well, sorry, you can't afford it. You could have afforded it until we played this uh, game of bait and switch with Proposition 19. Now, sorry, you can't. Oh, well, sell the property. And along with the property go all those wonderful family memories. And I think it's tragic. It's tragic. It's cruel. It's unnecessary. The state does not need this tax increase on the backs of people who have just lost their parents. It's, it, we, we have to get rid of this. Please go to repealthedeathtax.com. Click the link to volunteer and sign up, and then we'll let you know when the petitions are ready. We'll get it right to you in your, in your inbox, and you can forward it to everyone you know. Repealthedeathtax.com. 
You know, when he was um, serving here in California, Howard Jarvis was always a, a hero of mine, and I'm so glad that his namesake organization continues to fight to this very day. And uh, Susan, thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon to, uh, to educate all of our listeners here in Northern California. I want to urge folks on the topic of the death tax related to real estate. Again, online, repealthedeathtax.com, repealthedeathtax.com. You can get more information there about how you can help um, circulate petitions real easy. They've streamlined the process in order to move this forward to qualify for the November 2024 ballot. And in the meanwhile, on the topic of the proposition uh, or the change in the the uh, Constitution that would allow propositions coming in with just, a, just slightly over a basic majority to be able to just willy-nilly increase taxes on us, again, that comes under the guise of Assembly Constitutional Amendment Number 1. We urge your member of the California State Legislature to vote against it and to contact them, you can simply go online to findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. That's findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. Our thanks to Susan Shelley, President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Susan, thanks again so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.